0: Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. How has Andrew Cromo, the longtime governor of New York, gone from one of the most admired members of the Democratic Party, to a pariah whose best friends haven't just abandoned him, they've called the removal vans to get him out of office. In a nutshell, the state's top investigator determined that he illegally harassed multiple female co-workers, including state employees, within days, party allies, including his old friend, Joe Biden, called on him to resign. Cuomo is using what I call the Dustin Hoffman defense in that he denies the allegations and has blamed the complaints On Cultural and Generational Misunderstandings Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman in America with me, Jonathan Regan I'm joined as always by our US correspondent, the brilliant Marion McKeown For the last six months, we've turned our focus to the biggest scandals in the history of the Union And we've gone deep into everything from the Tulsa massacre, the Lewinsky affair, Iran-Contra Today, we get to delve into something much more recent Marion, before we get into what happened, what it means and whether it's a sign of a bigger, wider problem with other sitting governors who've also been accused, it has to be said that this is a fall from dizzying heights. This is a man who had millions of New Yorkers and Americans singing his praises for his kind of no-nonsense early pandemic TV addresses. Am I thinking of the same guy, first of all?
1: Do you know, isn't it? And good evening to you, Jarlett. It, isn't it just uh, incredible that, that um, when you think of Cuomo, because most people remember the contrast, which, and let's face it, he thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and indeed, I suppose, as a politician, why wouldn't you between him and Donald Trump? And we're talking about at the, you know, when the pandemic was really reaching terrifying heights last March and April, and Cuomo started doing these daily briefings, which were really masterclasses at the time. Incompetence and communication, and they provided such a contrast with Trump's blustering. Let them drink bleach, you know, nonsense. That that the the White House advised Trump to, to just stop doing it, just stop turning up, please. You know, you're, you're, and part of the reason was that Cuomo was was providing such a foil as to how it should have been done and there was all this talk we all knew was crazy at the time about how maybe Cuomo might somehow be drafted onto the democratic ticket to be if not president then certainly vice president uh, etc etc and it was something that Donald Trump was absolutely terrified was going to happen and believed would happen at the time and you know like Cuomo he went so much hubris then though he went on to write a book he got a five million dollar advance for a book, which was basically "Honey, I Shrunk the Coronavirus," you know, where he took more credit than he was due for for uh, turning New York around, and where he he also just the the arrogance seemed seemed to to outpace the the good that he had done. Then, of course, all the stories came out about how well, in fact, a lot more people had died in New York's nursing homes that, than he had revealed, and that he had sort of fudged figures and 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 done a lot of things that were really you know consistent with the Cuomo a lot of people had been talking about for a number of years somebody who would basically do anything uh, who had such a fierce grip on power in New York in Albany that very very few people were either willing or able to stand up to him and he also had this kind of Tony Soprano type gang around him of uh, people who, you know, enforcers who were just as tough and just as toxic as he was. So we, we knew. And, you know, the funny thing is, I remember at the time, like, being in New York and talking to two friends of mine who, who were gay and they said they were now calling themselves homosexuals because they loved him so much. And there are all these women who were talking about, oh, my God, he's single. You know, he was he was basically became it. And I think this happens and this happens with Giuliani as well after 9-11, when people are in the middle of a desperate crisis where they don't know what the outcome will be. They really gravitate towards a figure that seems to be in control, somebody who seems to be authoritative and competent. And certainly Cuomo was in the early days of of the COVID COVID pandemic, just as Giuliani was in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. He showed leadership skills and the leadership skills seem to be invariably a double-edged sword. I think of guys like Robert Emanuel who could run a country single-handed. They're ferocious thugs at the same time. Bill Clinton, hugely competent, hugely flawed as well. It seems that sometimes that a lot of these men just—they all have an Achilles' heel, and you know, it seems to just revolve around. They crave power for power's sake and then invariably they abuse power in ways that, that are shocking and disturbing. And you know, I, I think that that um the report which came out by the the New York Attorney General Letitia James was not surprising, but it was still shocking because I I, I don't know anybody who didn't believe the women who accused Cuomo. I don't know anyone who didn't who didn't believe Lindsay yes. Boylan or, or or any of the other women. And but yet when the the hundred Sixty-eight pages came out, the 200 interviewees, all the footnotes, all the evidence, all the documents. And really what it boiled down to was that he had abused his power in a really sleazy way and that, yes, everyone knew he could be a bully and a thug. And I remember talking to, you know, back in the old days when I was based in New York and I would be on the Hillary Clinton campaign bus or whatever, and a lot of the journalists um, had you know, started in Albany, and this was pre-Cuomo days, but they all said that if you survive Albany, especially as a woman journalist, you can survive anything because it is the toughest, most macho, misogynistic place, way worse than Washington, D.C., by all accounts, of, of the women I spoke to had worked as journalists in both. I,
0: I, I'm, I'm amazed, Marion. I'm, I'm just amazed by everything I've read uh, in terms of, as you say, the abuse of power because the things that he was doing with these women and these advances that he was making they're very on the one hand they're very high school jock kind of nonsense stuff uh, as in like what are you thinking approaching a woman in that manner at any time you you know re- regardless of your you know your place in politics but it's real like it's it's kind of head, I'm rubbing my head as I think about the type of person that does this kind of suggesting a game of strip poker and going, hey, yeah. hey, you and running your finger down the back of a woman's
1: neck. It's like yeah, I a ju- police state trooper who was there to protect him, like who was part of his security detail. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you do scratch your head. Yeah. And I think, you know, but on the one hand, I think compared with. You know, obviously, Harvey Weinstein or or Jeffrey Epstein or even a Donald Trump who women have accused of raping and seriously sexually assaulting them. We could say that Cuomo's, you know, what he did by comparison was not as appalling. And you have to have, I think, a sliding scale because you cannot be at pitch 10 the whole time. But I think the real problem here, the real creepiness is that. These women that that he treated in this manner, and, you know, it, it was also, as I say, there are female reporters who say that he would deliberately embarrass them and go, you know, you know, just tease them in a way that he always reminded them that they were women and, oh, look at you with your pink cell phone cover and, you know, sort of belittling little jabs that that he... I mean, I, I, off, I also remember a Democrat saying to me that nobody could figure out which was worse in Albany: if Cuomo hated you or if Cuomo loved you, because either way, he, you know, it was just too much. It was, it was too full on, and, and and it would change apparently with frequency. But the way he treated these women that way, because he could, because he felt he could, and that's the thing that I think is really galling for so many women: is that this guy, like, he'll turn around then and say, "Oh, you know, the equivalent of." I've heard the Irish men say it where, oh, you've got no sense of humour. Oh, you're so uptight or, oh, you know, where, where you're no fact, crack. Yeah, you're no fun. Exactly. The fact that you don't find their behaviour cute or endearing, that you find it creepy and and stupid means that you're somehow in the wrong, that you're the one with the problem. And I think this is what Cuomo did over and over. And even I don't know if you saw his video where he defended himself and the montage of him and various other politicians kissing where he's going, see, see, look, we all do it. It's politics. This is the game. And then he talks about the cultural differences, etc. You know, he, he was a bully. He was a sexual bully and he was a political bully as well. And I think those two things converged. And, you know, I still don't think he's going to resign.
0: So, there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.